This e-cystic fibrosis review program is presented by DKB Med Radio. Historically, there have been many studies that show that more antibiotics are generally better for people with CF. However, since we don't have a good definition of what a pulmonary exacerbation is, we could end up overusing antibiotics. This overuse could eventually lead to antibiotic resistance, and this is a big concern for people with CF, especially since they'll need repeated antibiotics over their lifetime. We don't want to use up an antibiotics effectiveness too early. Pulmonary exacerbations and IV antibiotics. Welcome to E-Cystic Fibrosis Review. Pulmonary exacerbations. They're experienced by virtually every individual with cystic fibrosis. Standard of care very often involves hospitalization and treatment with two IV antibiotics. But how long should IV therapies last? Where's the balance between recovering lost lung function and reducing symptoms and risking potentially serious side effects? That's what we're here to talk about today with our guest, Dr. D.B. Sanders, Associate Professor of Pediatrics at the Indiana University School of Medicine in Indianapolis. For Dr. Sanders' disclosures and additional CME information, please go to our website, ecfreview.org, and select the Volume 10, Issue 4 link. I'm Bob Busker, Managing Editor of E-Cystic Fibrosis Review. Dr. Sanders, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me today. Managing pulmonary exacerbations in patients with CF. It's been, and it remains, one of the most difficult challenges for treating clinicians. Our first learning objective is to discuss the impact of prolonged treatment with intravenous antibiotics for pulmonary exacerbations. So, start us out in the clinic, if you would please, Dr. Sanders, with a patient scenario. A 34-year-old woman with cystic fibrosis who has been admitted to the hospital now for 14 days for a pulmonary exacerbation. She has a history of respiratory cultures that are positive for Pseudomonas aeruginosa and MRSA on throat swabs. Her baseline lung function before this illness was 65% predicted. At the time she started IV antibiotics, her FEV1 was down to 49% predicted. Today, after 14 days of IV cefepime and tobramycin and oral trimethapim sulfamethoxazole, her FEV1 has improved to just 52% predicted, which is well below her previous baseline. In the past, she's been treated with 14 days of IV antibiotics and recovered well. Today, despite the lack of improvement in her lung function, she's feeling better and hoping to be discharged. Hospitalized for a pulmonary exacerbation on both IV and oral antibiotics for two weeks, and she still hasn't returned to her baseline FEV1. But she says she feels better and wants to go home. Should you discharge her? This is a common scenario, and there are many competing motivations at this point. We want to balance the desire to recover all of the lost lung function and improve symptoms back to baseline versus just being tired of being in the hospital, the risks of side effects of prolonging antibiotics, as well as risks of complications of PICs or ports. Being stuck in the hospital keeps people with CF away from their jobs or school and their families and family responsibilities. Antibiotic side effects can occur and can include kidney injury, hearing loss, or dizziness. Picks and ports, they can get infected or develop clots. These sometimes need to be removed and replaced. Uh, you're right, of course, about those being competing motivations. But let's focus first on the efficacy of prolonged IV antibiotics versus the potential risks of side effects. What does the evidence say? In your newsletter issue, you went into detail about the recent STOP and the STOP-2 studies. Uh, review that for us, if you would, please. 
What did the researchers find about the impact of prolonged IV antibiotic treatments? In the STOP2 study, the study intervention actually didn't occur until 7 to 10 days after a patient with CF had started IV antibiotics for a pulmonary exacerbation. At that time, after 7 to 10 days, if symptoms and lung function recovery was occurring, then study participants could be randomized to either 10 or 14 total days of IV antibiotics. More pertinent to this example is that study participants who are not recovering both symptoms and lung function were randomized to 14 or 21 days of total IV antibiotics. The STOP2 study did not find that extending the duration of antibiotics to 21 days was that helpful on average, and there were nearly twice as many adverse events in the 21-day treatment arm compared to the 14-day treatment arm. Fortunately, most of these were mild events such as abnormal lab tests or GI symptoms. Well, should clinicians be taking these findings to mean that no patient should be treated with IV antibiotics for longer than 14 days? That's not necessarily the case. But on average, 21 days of IV antibiotics was not found to be better than 14 days. We know that on average does not apply to every patient. Tell us about circumstances where more than 14 days of IV antibiotic therapy should be considered. There are some patients with specific bacteria, for example, non-tuberculous mycobacteria, that need prolonged courses of IV antibiotics. There may be instances where the initial IV antibiotic treatment was incorrect. For example, if the initial treatment includes antibiotics directed just against Staph aureus, but we find that new growth of Pseudomonas aeruginosa or Burkholderia cepatia complex, in those cases, we would need to change antibiotics and we need to start the count of days of IVs over in some cases. What if a patient responds sooner? Should treatment still be continued for the 14 days? In the STOP2 study, for those patients who did respond well initially, 10 days of IV antibiotics may be just as good as 14 days. I want to ask you about the concept of antibiotic stewardship. How does that apply to our conversation? This is a good point to bring up. Historically, there have been many studies that show that more antibiotics are generally better for people with CF. However, since we don't have a good definition of what a pulmonary exacerbation is versus just a cold or a sinus infection, we could end up overusing antibiotics. This overuse could eventually lead to antibiotic resistance, and this is a big concern for people with CF, especially since they'll need repeated antibiotics over their lifetime. We don't want to use up an antibiotic's effectiveness too early. A good reminder, Dr. Sanders. Thank you. Anything more now from the STOP2 study? Something else the STOP2 results provides is information to help inform the discussion between the clinician and patient and family in deciding the next steps. What talking points do the study authors recommend? We would need to come to a decision that addresses the competing values I mentioned earlier. Are there things we can do in the hospital? For example, a bronchoscopy, change in antibiotics, look for ABPA, add oral steroids. There is some evidence for all these. Should we consider continuing IV antibiotics but at home? This may or may not be an attractive alternative. Some people with CF will be swamped by demands from work or family and not be able to keep up with the additional treatments of their exacerbation. They might live in an area where it's difficult to get IV antibiotics provided at home or to have laboratory monitoring. Others may have good support and may be excellent candidates for home IV antibiotics. Other things to consider would be how far from the baseline lung function is the patient, what else is being missed outside of the hospital or life events coming up that they don't want to miss. Now, I would stress the fact that lung function might not ever recover to baseline after the end of IV antibiotics, 
So I'd like to do what I can to recover it. Thank you for bringing us this case, Dr. Sanders. Let's review what we've been talking about through the lens of our learning objective. Discuss the impact of prolonged treatment with intravenous antibiotics for pulmonary exacerbations. What are the key things our listeners need to know? On average, 21 days of IV antibiotics was not found to be superior to 14 days of IV antibiotics for patients who are having slow initial response to IV therapy. For those patients who are responding well initially, 10 days of IV antibiotics may be just as good as 14 days. These results can be used in discussions with patients with CF to determine their optimal treatment duration of IV antibiotics. Thank you, doctor. And we'll return with Dr. D.B. Sanders from the Indiana University School of Medicine in just a moment. We're taking this brief time out to remind you about the CF Education Resource Center. Do you need to plan a live or online CF Family Day or CF Educational Day? The best way to get started is at the CF Education Resource Center. It's the place to go to find everything you need to make your CF Family Day a success. It's got tools to help you assess your community's needs. It's got scripts and PowerPoint slides recently updated and including Spanish translations and video tips and a guest speaker list. You can create your own curriculum or simply share the education with your patients or caregivers. The CF Education Resource Center. Connect at cffd.dkbmed.com. Welcome back to this E-Cystic Fibrosis Review Podcast. Our guest is Dr. D.B. Sanders from the Indiana University School of Medicine. We've been talking about the impact of decisions on pulmonary exacerbation outcomes in people with cystic fibrosis. I'd like to turn now to our second learning objective. Describe some of the limitations of the evidence for treating pulmonary exacerbations in clinical practice. With that in mind, if you would please, Dr. Sanders, take us back to the clinic with another patient scenario. This case is a 28-year-old male with CF who has been hospitalized for treatment of a pulmonary exacerbation with IV antibiotics. We can say he's been treated with IV meropenem and IV tobramycin to treat Pseudomonas aeruginosa. He's been on treatment with IV antibiotics for 14 days. Before that, he tried 10 days of oral ciprofloxacin without relief. His baseline FEV1 before he got sick was 85% predicted, but fell to 65% predicted at the time that he was hospitalized. Now, after 14 days of IV antibiotics, he's improved to 78% predicted, and he's feeling much better. What does the evidence say about how to best treat this patient? Unfortunately, not a lot. The most recent CF Foundation guidelines are from 2009, and none of the recommendations were based on high-quality evidence. So the CF Foundation guidance is dated and not specifically helpful. What about the more recent STOP2 study? Any relevant guidance there? The recent STOP2 study compared treatment durations by initial response. Patients who recovered quickly and received 10 days of IV antibiotics did not do, on average, worse than patients treated with 14 days. For patients who did not respond quickly, 21 days of IV antibiotics was not better than 14 days. There are some studies that support improved treatment outcomes with oral corticosteroids, treatment entirely in the hospital, and possibly with the use of hypertonic saline. It's a bit hard to draw conclusions from these studies. The benefits of oral corticosteroids may only be small, a few percent predicted, and may make CF-related diabetes more difficult to control, at least in the short term. There are also studies of home versus hospital IV antibiotics, where home antibiotics perform as well as hospital antibiotics, with improvements in quality of life to go along with it. Most of our patients come into the hospital already taking hypertonic saline, so this is not often an intervention we can add. 
Besides treatment duration, the studies that support these other interventions have been small or based on review of prior data that can make interpretation difficult. I will say that although there are some weaknesses to these studies of what to do in the hospital, at least they have been done, we use oral antibiotics in the outpatient setting much more often than we use IV antibiotics, but there have actually been no prospective studies at all of outpatient oral antibiotics. So not really a lot of high-grade data to guide treating pulmonary exacerbations. What about antibiotic selection? Is there data to support specific recommendations? I think this is a big question amongst the CF community, but most studies have failed to show a benefit of specific antibiotic combinations over another combination. This includes a study of 132 teenagers and adults published in The Lancet in 2005, and a smaller study of 40 patients also published in 2005 came to the same conclusion. A more recent study of 39 patients published in 2015 also failed to show that a specific combination was better than another. For example, we routinely use two antibiotics against Pseudomonas aeruginosa. But surprisingly, the data for this are not that strong. A recent review of pediatric hospitalizations suggested that one antibiotic against Pseudomonas would be just as good as two. Limiting antibiotics may help avoid the development of antibiotic resistance and avoid side effects like GI upset or GI problems or ototoxicities or nephrotoxicities. There are a couple of exceptions, especially when a new bacteria is discovered that was not covered by previous antibiotic combinations. The side effects. You mentioned ototoxicities and nephrotoxicities. What do we know about how often they occur and from which IV drugs in particular? Honestly, we, we probably don't know how often these occur because we don't check that often. The main class of antibiotics we worry about are aminoglycosides, including tobramycin, which is very commonly used. The CF Foundation reports hearing loss in 3% of people with CF, but in people without CF, when routine audiologic screening is used, hearing loss has been reported in nearly half after exposure to aminoglycosides. Kidney injury can occur with a wide variety of antibiotics, including aminoglycosides and vancomycin, which is used to treat MRSA. Several studies have shown that a third of adults with CF treated with IV antibiotics may have acute kidney injury that may build up over time to more chronic injury. I want to go a little deeper into something you said earlier, doctor. Treatment with IV antibiotics at home versus in the hospital. What do the data show? There have been quite a few studies of IV antibiotics at home versus in the hospital, but many have been small, single-center studies and excluded a lot of patients from their study. The results of these studies are mixed. Some supported home IVs as effective as hospital IVs, but some didn't. The STOP2 study found that patients treated at home had less improvement in lung function, less improvement in symptoms, and less increase in weight. The STOP2 study wasn't designed specifically to answer this question, but it did account for home versus hospital when participants were randomized to different treatment durations. And the study was very large, so hopefully it was able to account for differences in patients who stayed in the hospital compared to those who went home. The treatment benefits of staying in the hospital in STOP2 were small, and patients could decide that it would still be better to be at home than to be in the hospital. Whenever the evidence-based guidance is small or incomplete or even missing, clinicians need to rely on expert opinion for treatment recommendations. So going back to the patient you presented, a 28-year-old male with CF, hospitalized for the treatment of a pulmonary exacerbation, and he's been on IV antibiotics for 14 days. Talk to us, if you would, please, about how you would manage this patient. I might, in discussion with the patient, say that FEV1 of 78% predicted is still pretty far from baseline and I think it's important to try to get closer. 
I'd also want to check on their symptoms, nutritional status, and chest exam to make sure they're in good shape as well. I'd want to know his history of response to prior treatments, as well as ability or availability of home treatments, history of other comorbidities such as ABPA, NTM, CF-related diabetes, and CF-related liver disease. I would probably take into account whether he's taking a highly effective CFTR modulator, but all the studies I've mentioned so far occurred before these were available, so I don't have definitive evidence that that should affect my decision. In fact, a study that looked at exacerbation response in people on Ivacaftor did not show improved outcomes, although there was a great reduction in the need for antibiotics in general. For this patient, I'd consider a bronchoscopy or chest CT if one hasn't occurred recently. I'd consider if there are additional treatments for home we could add. I'd work with the patient and probably their primary outpatient CF clinician to come up with some options. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and expertise with us, Dr. Sanders. Let's wrap things up now by reviewing our discussion in light of our learning objective. Describe some of the limitations of evidence for treating pulmonary exacerbations in clinical practice. What are some of the key things our listeners should take away from today's discussion? Besides treatment duration based on initial response to IV antibiotics, there's not a lot of high-quality data to support specific interventions to treat pulmonary exacerbations. There are questions about antibiotic selection, antibiotics in the home versus in the hospital, oral corticosteroids, and others that are based on smaller studies. There are some ongoing studies that will address these questions. There have been no studies of the use of oral antibiotics for pulmonary exacerbations in the outpatient setting. Highly effective modulator therapies are likely to decrease the frequency of pulmonary exacerbations, but high-quality evidence will still be needed to improve outcomes for people with CF. STOP2 data raises the possibility of less robust treatment outcomes for patients treated at home. From the Indiana University School of Medicine, Dr. D.B. Sanders, thank you for joining us for this E-Cystic Fibrosis Review podcast. Thank you for having me. For E-Cystic Fibrosis Review, I'm Bob Busker. To receive CME credit for this activity, please take the post-test at ecf.dkbmed.com. E-Cystic Fibrosis Review is supported by educational grants from Vertex Pharmaceuticals Incorporated and GECUSA, Inc. The opinions and recommendations expressed by faculty and other experts whose input is included in this program are their own. This enduring material is produced for educational purposes only. E-Cystic Fibrosis Review is copyright with all rights reserved by DKB Med, LLC.